So if words impact relationships and relationships impact culture, here's the critical third triune. Y'all, culture impacts results. From Tallahassee to the Keys and everywhere in between, this is Education Elevated on the FLCMAA Podcast Network. Some days you're the pigeon, some days the statue. Be prepared to laugh and learn how success all boils down to the relationships you create. And this talk from David Weber. Let me ask you this. You've been working hard all day. Wasn't Steve awesome? I, I enjoyed that talk so much, just as a peer-to-peer professional. I really liked that. That was so good. And, um, and I was so stoked because he brought a lot of energy with him, right? Because his slot was nap time, and my slot is it's time for a drink. You know, that, that, and, and that's kind of where we've been positioned. But I think Beth probably did that on purpose. Is it okay to end our day laughing and learning? Absolutely. Oh, you are my best friend right now. I've never found you more attractive. I, um, I, I, am, I, am, I am all about laughing and learning, and I don't know what you're expecting out of your closing speaker for the day, but I can promise you this, whatever you're expecting, <laughs> I are not it. Seriously, I, I'm a freaking chihuahua on caffeine, all right? And um, we're in Florida. How many of you have been to SeaWorld? Raising of hands? Oh, almost all of you. Do you remember what they call the first several rows? The splash zone. <laughs> I get very excited when I speak. I'm just going to warn you right now. And I am so sorry. You're going to get moist. I, I apologize. Just towel off. There you go. That's right. I just, I got a phone call I need to take. So, well, all right, well, let's get into this. Now, the presentation that Beth has asked me to deliver is, is called, Some Days You're the Pigeon, Some Days the Statue. I want you to be honest. When you first heard that, how many of you chuckled? Be honest. You laughed. All right. See, that's how I identify the sickos in the crowd. Very good. So before we get into it, um, you need to know that I've made three assumptions about every one of you, and you need to know what my assumptions are because it's going to totally influence how you listen to me. The first assumption is the most important. I'm assuming this afternoon that you are a whole person. Now that is whole with the W. An important distinction. What do you think I mean by that? Okay, wow, time out. Well, that was an epic fail. Um, I thought we were off to such a good start. Do you remember a moment ago I asked you, is it okay to laugh and learn? Do you remember that? Okay, and what did y'all say? Okay, now you got to trust me on this. It is way more fun. Whenever I ask y'all a question, it will be way more fun if y'all what? Boom, way more fun. What that? Oh, wait, I know what it is. I think maybe we're having a communication breakdown. I am from Georgia. Most of y'all are not. You're having trouble understanding how I talk. I can fix this. We're going to back it up just a skosh. We're going to do a quick redo. We'll be off to the races, all right? When you hear me say the word y'all, everybody say y'all. Y'all means I'm talking to every single one of you, all right? But when you hear me say the word all y'all, all y'all, there's no L in the middle. It's all y'all. Everybody say all y'all. Now, when I say all y'all, that means I'm talking to every single one of you. Does that help? Okay, so from this point forward, I'm serious. Whenever I ask all y'all a question, it's really because I want y'all to answer, right? Out loud. And I know it's confusing because, you know, because a lot of lectures, a lot of presentations are what I call sit and get. You know, you sit 
and get. You know, and just try not to gouge your eyes out in the meantime. We're not doing that. In fact, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I'm, I'm here to play with you. Appropriately. Professionally. I, I, hey, hey, clean it up. All right. W- will you play back? Seriously, will you play back? In fact, if you naturally lean to the heckler side of the fence, I am so your kind of speaker. All right. When you think of something even a little inappropriate, don't you whisper it to your neighbor. You holler it out so everyone can enjoy and appreciate it. Fair enough? There we go. All right, so let's try this again. I'm going to hit the rewind button. I'm assuming this afternoon that you are a whole person. Oh, that wasn't even a question. That was great energy. Here, here comes the question. What, what do you all think I mean by that? That you're, that you're complete. What do you mean by complete? Don't say whole. full, that you're full. We did eat. We did eat good snacks, but that's not where I'm going. Somebody else, you're a whole person. What do you think I mean by that? Total package, meaning old. <laughs> the, heck, the crowd is heckling each other. Come on, I'm assuming you're a whole person. What do you think I mean? Well-rounded. This has nothing to do with weight. Nothing to do with weight. Somebody else, you're a whole person. That you understand yourself. I don't even know what that means, but I appreciate the attempt. Come on, this is the most important of, of the assumptions. You're a whole person. Understanding purpose, the Understanding purpose, you're going way too deep. Y'all, I went to public school in Georgia. Think shallow, think shallow. <laughs> Somebody else, you're a whole person. Not, not all my body parts. <laughs> no, uh, uh, honestly, the older you get, the fewer of your body parts they let you keep. Hey, and this is America. If you got the money, you can add body parts. <laughs> we ought not to go there. Do, do I need to give you the first answer? Yeah. Okay, I'll, but you got to catch up with me, all right? I'll give you the first answer. When I say I'm assuming you're a whole person, here's what I mean. I am assuming you are more than just an employee of a club. That's part of who you are. That's why you're here but let's keep it real. Every one of you is so much more than what you do for a paycheck. Does that make sense? For our time as we end out the day together, I'm assuming you're a spouse, a partner, a parent, a son or a daughter, a brother or a sister. You're a roommate, a next door neighbor, a church attender, a health club member. Now you hadn't gone in months. And you keep paying the dues. But, but you're all, so what I want to do in our time together as we end the day is I would like to talk to all of you, not just that, that little piece of you that gets a paycheck. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. What I'm going to share with you this afternoon is too good only to apply at work. In fact, how many of you are married? Married or shacking up? Married or shacking up? Either way, right? I tend to get way more hands that way. Uh, if you pay close attention to what we discuss as we wrap up the day and you apply what you learn, hey, I guarantee... You're going to have a better relationship with your funny little honey. How many of you work outside the home? Okay, should be everybody. Pay attention. (laughs) This was a work event. (laughs) It depends, Dave. (laughs) It does kind of depend. You're right. Um, How many have kids of your very own? Man, you apply what you learn today. I want you to have better relationships at home, at work. Because let me tell you, in your world, if I could be so bold as to suggest, it's all about relationships. It is all about relationships. In fact, killer relationships cover a multitude of shortcomings. That's how powerful they are, right? 
Absolutely. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Second assumption. I'm assuming you have a desire to learn and grow. Right? Because you chose to come to this session. Right? A lot of times when I show up to speak, it's mandatory. Right? I have prisoners. Right? In the room. And they just, you know, all they can think about is the margarita. And, and, ah. But I'm assuming since you stayed, you want to, and, and not just grow professionally, but grow omnidirectionally. And finally, I'm assuming you're a changing person. I think change is the one constant you can count on. Steve kind of identified that without really using those words in the last presentation. And if change is the constant, what I hope to impact this afternoon is the direction of change that your life takes as a result of hanging out with me for 90 minutes. Deal? All right, very good. So, um, when you first heard the title and you laughed, I think I know why. You were already thinking about the unique dynamic between the pigeon and the statue, weren't you? How many of you instantly were able to apply the title to your place of work? Yes, absolutely. Because, let's be honest, what do those two have in common? You can say it out loud. Well, I was going to go for the kind of the G-rated version. You went right to R, right? What do they have in common? Poop. Exactly right. And y'all, let's be serious. In the club world in which we live and work, let's keep it real. We are either being pooped on all day long. Or get this, it is perceived by others that we are the ones doing the what? Doing the pooping on. Exactly right. Which brings us possibly to the key question of the day. Y'all, how do we do it? If we're being pooped on, or are perceived to be the ones doing the pooping on, folks, how do we do it? There's only three answers. I think I gave you two of them in the top right corner. We do it with our actions. Yes, thank you. Somebody read the first option. Yes, we do it with our actions. We do it with our attitudes, but primarily, how do we do it? Darn right, we do it with our words. Our words, our actions, and our attitudes. And folks, I gotta tell you, it has reached epidemic proportions in our world. The ugliness that is coming out of mouths and fingers and thumbs has never been uglier. In fact, let me just show you how powerful this has gotten. Um, I want you to think about the school that is closest to your home. The school closest to your home. I don't care if it's elementary, a middle, or a high. I want every one of you to try this experiment this fall when all the kids are back. I want you to show up at the school. I don't care what kind it is. During lunch. I want you to sign in at the front office, get your visitor badge, and walk down to the cafeteria during lunch. And here's what I want you to do. You have to be intentional. I want you to walk up to a table. Don't engage the table. Simply eavesdrop. I want you to listen to the ugly words that are being said to each other, at each other, about each other, about that student walking by, that teacher walking by, that principal walking by. Listen to the ugly words being said at that table. Are you with me? That's step one. Here's step two. Then I want you to walk a few tables over, and then I want you to eavesdrop on a table full of students. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Did, did you think I was talking about students over here? Sadly, I was talking about the words coming out of the mouths of the adults. And candidly, if you could be a fly on the back wall of many clubs across America, and you could listen to the ugly things 
being whispered in those clubs to each other, at each other, about each other, about that server, that receptionist, that cook, that member, about her mama. It has gotten so ugly, hadn't it? In fact, not too long ago, I wrote this book. It's called Sticks and Stones Exposed. Now, when you first hear or see the phrase sticks and stones, what's, what's the first thing that pops into your head? The childhood rhyme. Just to get us on the same page, let's say that childhood rhyme together. I'll be the choir director. Here we go. Three, two, one. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What a freaking lie. That is so not true. Agreed? Man, let me tell you folks, words matter. Upper left-hand corner of your handout. I want you to fill in. These are the nine really powerful words, folks. Three groups with three words. See if you buy this. See if you buy this. Here's the first three words. Words impact relationships. Do you buy that? Positive, uplifting, encouraging, affirming words. Man, what kind of relationships do they build? Really good ones. Really good ones. But negative, cutting, caustic, critical words. Man, what kind of relationships do they build? Really bad ones. Is that true in a kitchen? Is it true in the cart barn? Is it true in the dining room amongst the members? Is it true in a marriage? How about a church? Man, let me tell you, words impact relationships. Here's the next three. Those relationships in turn begin to impact culture. Relationships impact culture. I'll bet every one of you have worked in clubs where the relationships were so good, they were so positive, you couldn't wait to get to work and be with those people. They were like your family. But I'll bet every one of you in this room have had times in your careers where you worked with a group and the relationships were so negative, they were so toxic that you would wake up in the morning and dread going to work because the culture was so awful. Agreed? I mean, here's another way to to illustrate that. I bet many of you absolutely love your family till the whole thing shows up. Right? Different relationships change the culture, doesn't it? So if words impact relationships and relationships impact culture, here's the critical third Triune, y'all, culture impacts results. I want you to understand, folks, that there is a direct line connection between something as simple as the words we speak and the results that we get. Are you with me? Absolutely. So powerful. Now, um, sadly, however, getting back to the sticks and stones rhyme, I believe that in our world we have become a society of stone throwers and stick slingers. Jump on social media if you don't believe me. The most silly, innocuous, silly little post. Four comments down, it goes ugly. And it can stay ugly forever. It's just, it's become such an epidemic. It's become an epidemic. And what breaks my heart is, y'all, we are killing, we are killing the culture and climate of our clubs, our kitchens, our cart barns, our marriages, our churches, our neighborhoods, our communities, by ever so subtly destroying the relationships that exist in all these settings, all right? And what I want to do this afternoon is I want to share with you guys what, what I think is our secret weapon. It's an ancient Greek concept called koinonia, koinonia. And this is your next fill in the blank in the workbook, y'all. 
Koinonia is the coming together in a solidified oneness. The coming together in a solidified oneness. In an atmosphere, listen to this, an atmosphere of openness, honesty, trust, affirmation, support, and encouragement. Y'all, it is in an atmosphere like that where great results cannot help but thrive. This is the kind of thing that should exist in a marriage or a home, but sad to say all too often it does not. I have seen this in clubhouses. I have witnessed this in pro shops. I've experienced it in clubs. And let me tell you, when you bring a group of people together as leaders and you all decide with intentionality we are moving toward koinonia, that is a force to be reckoned with. How could great results not help but thrive in an atmosphere like that? Now, you would think it would be easy to build these koinonia connections with those that we work with and those that we serve. You'd think it would be easy. Why, Dave? Because get this. Every person comes off the grand assembly line with a deep inborn desire to connect with other people. Agree or disagree? Yeah, this is, this is what we were made to do. Um, let me find somebody. I don't, think I, didn't meet. I don't think I met you. Hey, my name is Dave. Lena. Lena. I am married to a Tina. That is so close. Nice to meet you, Lena. Lena and I just met, right? You all watched it go down. Would you believe right now you could plot Lena's and my professional relationship? You could plot it right now on the Koinonia Continuum. If Lena and I were at Koinonia, that means, boom, right there. We've worked hard to create an open, honest, trusting, affirming, supportive, encouraging relationship. Lena, we are so not there. Right? And isn't it unrealistic to think you would meet someone and be there? Totally unrealistic. Now, the opposite of Koinonia, way down here at the bottom, would be this. If I thought I could get away with it, I'd take Lena out. Now, Lena, I don't feel like we're down here either. Do, do you? Do you, Lena? Because here's what your face is saying. Well, not yet, little man. <laughs> Let's just see where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Lena, I, we're certainly not here, and we're certainly not here. Lena, I was going to stick us in the middle, all right? I was going to put us in the middle. Although, since I have started, you're right here where my eye tends to go, and I've seen you laugh quite a few times, and honestly, we do tend to like people that make us laugh. I mean, we're drawn to people that make us laugh. So, Lena, rather than the midpoint, I was going to give our professional relationship a, a little, I was going to, yeah, ee, ee, I was going to go up two steps. You want to go Three. Eat three, because if we get to four, I'm taking you out tonight. If we get to four, we're going out. All right. Okay, we'll leave right here. Okay, so here's me and Lena right here. Here's me and Lena. Now, here's me and Lena. Don't miss this. Here's Koinonia, where great results thrive, but here's me and Lena. Y'all, because we are here and not here, does that mean our professional relationship is not successful? Heavens no. Why? Yeah, we just started. We just got to know each other. What makes you tick? What makes you tick? Que pasa? Right? Therefore, and this is key, when it comes to koinonia, folks, that place where great results cannot help but thrive, it is not just about the destination. It's about the trip to get there. Dave, help me apply this. It is not about where is your relationship with that member right now. It is more about in what direction is your relationship with that member moving. It's not about where's your relationship with that employee right now. It is more about in what direction is your relationship with that employee moving. Parents, 
It is not about where's your relationship with your teenager right now. It is more about in what direction is your relationship with your teenager moving. We've got to fall in love with the trip. Does that make sense? So with this kind of as our backdrop, folks, what, what I'm about to share with you, the, the strategies and the principles, if you choose to implement what I'm going to share with you, you can intentionally move relationships in your life from where they are now over time, closer and closer to the koinonia ideal where great results thrive. Are you with me? So we kind of find ourselves between a rock and a hard place. On the one hand, we all desire these great koinonia connections. We, the soul of man longs for that. So you would think it would be easy to get it, but it's not. Because in order to build koinonia connections with other people, you gotta have other people. And let's be real. It is the stinking other people in our lives that keep screwing this up. You know, it's like the club manager who says, I would love being a club manager so much more if I just did not have employees or members. <laughs> I mean, don't they ruin a great job? Well, you see the catch 22. We all desire koinonia connections, and it is in places of koinonia where great results thrive. But in order to build those connections, there have to be other people, and it's the stinking other people that are screwing it up. I have figured out why. Now, what I'm about to tell you is going to sound a little bit like Stephen King, the horror novelist. But I think you'll believe me. You see, folks, in my opinion, when me and Lena are having a conversation, it's not just me and Lena. What do you mean, Dave? I believe there are seven people living inside of each and every one of us. Now, those of you who are old enough, you're thinking about Sybil right now. Don't go there. I'm not talking demonic possession. I'm not talking multiple personality disorder. There are seven people living inside of each and every one of us. So when me and Lena are standing in the hall of the club and we're having a conversation, we are 14 strong. Scott, you come walking up, there are 21 of us standing in the hall. Do you have any idea who is in charge of that conversation? No, Dave, I didn't even know there were seven people in me. In fact, I call them the seven me's, the seven me's I am. And here's the ultimate key principle, folks. The quality of all our relationships, the quality of the culture where we live and work, and the quality of our results hinges upon understanding the complexity of the seven me's that live in every one of us. Would you like to meet them? <laughs> I wish you could see your faces. Some of you are saying, oh gosh, no, this is awful. Oh no. And some of you are thinking, sweet, only seven. I thought there'd be more. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to meet you in the middle, okay? We'll go one at a time. It makes it less threatening. The first person that lives in every one of us, the first me, is the me that I call the me I think I am. That's your next fill in the blank. The me I think I am. Me, Dave Weber. I have a me I think I am. Every one of you, trust me, has a me you think you am. Every member of every one of your clubs, trust me, they have a me they think they am. Oh, you see it in the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they dress, the way they act. We all have a me I think I am. In fact, in your minds right now, in your minds, go back to your clubs, and here's what I want you to do, just so you can see this, this me. I want you to picture that young man that boy, that middle school boy 
at your club, picture the middle school boy at your club who thinks he is God's gift to girls. Can you see him walking through your club? Come on, here he is. He's 11. Right? He just got it all out there. He thinks he is God's gift to girls, doesn't he? We all, and here's the crazy thing about this me. Folks, it is easier to see this me in others than it is to see it in ourselves. The me I think I am. Now, here's where the fun begins. Let me introduce you to the second person. Because, folks, there can be such a disconnect between our ears that the first person has no idea the second person's even there, and they may have been neighbors for years. First, there's the me I think I am. Then there's the me others see. The me others see. Let's stick with this young man because he's still fresh in your mind. Let's pretend you are standing in the club. It's the summertime. Of course, there's... there's Kids all over the place running around, right? Some of them the first few times without mom or dad, and they're, you know, they're ordering whatever they want and putting it on their tab, and, you know, they're being big, right? And you see a whole pack of boys walking through the club, right? And um, because, the, the, because the whole posse is there, they're kind of working it, right? Being cool right? You're watching them, and you feel the corners of your mouth start to curl up, because they just look freaking ridiculous. All they're herking and jerking and think they're so bad, right? And you don't want them to see you smirking at them. So you just, you just turn your head the other direction. Oh, and around this hall comes a pack of similarly aged girls. And, you know, in their little posse. And do you think these young ladies are trying to work some of their own womanly magic coming down the hall? Oh, my hair. Again, the corners of your mouth start curling up. They look ridiculous. Now you know where to look. There's hormone-crazed preteens everywhere. Well, at the same time, the boys see the girls and the girls see the boys. And the whole dynamic is suddenly on steroids. Oh, you thought these young men were working it a moment ago? Oh, when they see the pack of girls? Now you're afraid they might accidentally hurt themselves. Right? Oh, and those young ladies, you thought they were working it a minute ago? They see that pack of boys? Oh, if they got it, they are trying to wiggle it now. They are just <laughs> smacking that gum, tossing that hair. You're watching them get closer and closer. This is funny. This is good comedy. And as the boys pass the girls, the alpha male busts out his best move. Oh, you've seen it, right? It looks something like this, right? Sup. <laughs> and that's it. They walk right on by. He gives those young ladies a sup. Now, he thinks he is God's gift to girls. But ladies, just the ladies in the room, just the ladies. Is that what you see when you look at him? <laughs> ladies, have your legs gone all rubbery? Is your heart just erasing? Is your breathing fast and shallow? Are you thinking to yourself, oh my, I got to get me some of that. Is that what you're thinking, ladies? No, of course not. Be honest. What are you thinking as you watch him go by? What are you thinking? Be honest. Yeah, idiot. Goober. You're such a little boy. He's such a goofball. Of course, every guy in the room, we want to punch him. Stop. Stop. You're killing your chances. You look like a bonehead. They think you're a doofus. Stop. 
Now, we would never say that to the young man. I hope. But clearly the me he thinks he is nowhere related to the me others see as it pertains to you. Agreed? There's a total disconnect. In fact, let me show you how powerful this me is. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. On your worksheet there, do you see where it says three one-word descriptive adjectives? Do you see where it says that? Would everyone please shield the answer area? Shield the answer area. I want no copying. I know how some of you got your certifications. Come on, no copying. <laughs> All right, here's what I want everyone to do. Would each of you right now, without letting your neighbor see what you're about to write, would each one of you right now jot down three one-word descriptive adjectives to describe me, Dave Weber. Me. Three one-word descriptive adjectives to describe me, Dave Weber. Cover up your answers as soon as you write them down so nobody can see. Okay, some of you are struggling. You're making this too hard. Look at me. Short, white, sweaty. That's fine. Shh, don't overthink this. Short, white, sweaty is fine. Is anybody sitting here? Is that water's mine? It is now. Okay. It's not my shade of lipstick, so that's why I asked. All right? You got your three words? This is so cool. This is so cool. I want you all to guess. Keep them covered. I want you all to guess, and I want you to guess by percentages. So holler out numbers. Operations folks, lead the way. All right? I want you to guess how many of you just wrote down the same words to describe me. Guess. By percentages. 50%? 50%? Kind of middle of the road, right? Big chicken, 50. Somebody else. 70. We got an 80. We got a 90. 40%. Y'all have done this exercise for over two decades. You ready for this? less than 1%. No way, Dave. Oh yeah, way. In fact, reveal your answers, spin around, show them to all your neighbors. Share your answers with your neighbors. See what, let me, show them what you wrote down. All right, pull it together, pull it together. Here's what I find fascinating. Almost 100% of the time, you will have at least one word the same with a neighbor. Raise your hand if you had at least one word the same with a neighbor. Look at that, almost 100%. Quite often, shocking even, you might have two words the same with one of your neighbors. Did any of you have two words the same? Look at all the hands, wow. It's usually the two words, hot and sexy. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> I so cheated. I looked at your answers. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I, should, I shouldn't have done that. I, my bad. I cheated. I cheated. Um, are, there, are there any two of you that had the exact same three? Nobody. Yo, how can that be? Where? Where? Oh, in the back? Yes? All right. So hot, sexy, and what was the third, gentlemen? I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Clearly less than 1%. Y'all, how can that be? I, I don't ask rhetorically, I ask. How can that be? Oh, oh, because you see me different. Okay, I'll, I'll be honest. I struggle with the answer because you see me different. And here's why I struggle with it. I'm only one guy. I've only done one thing since I started. Every one of you have seen me do the same one thing. How can you see me different? Oh, because you're different. Okay, now, I, I don't want this to sound ugly, but 
who cares about you? I mean, isn't the exercise about me? I'm asking, isn't the exercise about me? Y'all, I'm asking, isn't the exercise about me? No. No. That was all set up. Here's the point. Here's the point. You got to get this. Folks, the me that others see when they look at you, get this, it might not have a thing to do with you. Because who is this me really about? Others. It's about others. In fact, here's the next fill in the blank. It's the word filters on your workbook, in your worksheet. All right. Filters are our own. You said it over here. You are, you are a moment ahead of me, right? Filters are our own unique set of life experiences that cause us to th- see things differently. Every time you have a life experience, you get a filter. We have this complex set of filters through which we see the world. No two people have the same set of filters, therefore no two people, I mean no two people have the same set of life experiences, so no two people have the same set of filters. Therefore, get this. Two members could be sitting at the same dining room table, look at you, and see something completely different. Are you with me? Now, how's the best way to set this up? Um, Do you ever get damaged members? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I heard that. Every freaking one of them. <laughs> guess, guess who damaged them? Oh, say it. Previous experience. How about with the last person who had your job? Is that possible? That someone could be damaged by someone else in this industry? Yeah. And here's what's crazy. They walk in, they take one look at you, and guess who they see? You got trouble. You got trouble. It has nothing to do with you. But I never hear people talking about this. Now, is it possible that those members... Well, let me ask you this. I think it's the next question in your workbook. Can, it is. Can an individual have a faulty filter? Yes, 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 a thousand times yes. In fact, let me prove it. I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to ask you two questions. Answer loud and proud. Question one. Do you intentionally ridicule, belittle, condescend to, bully, and try to financially cheat your members? (laughs) I think you got a little confused there for a second. All right. What was the answer to that question? No, you do not. But that's what this member sees when they look at you because of their life experiences. Now, question number two. This is the hard question. Who's right? Nobody's not an option. Nice try. Who's right? Both is not an option. Nice try. No one's not an option. Nice try. Who's right? There you go. There you go. Now, those of you who are saying the member is... I understand why you say that. You say that out of a heart of service and I exist to serve the member. The member is always right. I hear that mantra a lot. But it's not true. 
I mean, it's a great mantra, and the heart with which you say that is in the right place. But it's not true. Because what is truth? What is truth is, I do not intentionally bully, condescend to, and try to financially cheat my members. That's the truth. But if that's what they see when they look at me, they are trapped behind a faulty filter. And one of the great challenges of working in work environments like all of you do is this very simple statement. Most people with faulty filters have no idea they have them. Yeah, yeah, they don't, because their life experiences have taught them that. The trouble is they're trying to apply it to you and it, it doesn't fit. So here's the tough principle I've got for you, all right? This is what I want you to jot down. Folks, at times, get this, at times I will need to modify my behavior, get this, to help another. To help another what, Dave? To help another person replace their faulty filter of me with a more accurate one. Ooh, let me end it a little differently. At times, I will need to modify my behavior to help another even when I have done nothing wrong. Because if we're not careful in this industry, if somebody comes to us and they're short and they're rude and they're prickly, or one of your team members, if somebody talks to them short and rude and prickly, if we're not on our A game, if we don't understand this dynamic, when somebody treats us short, prickly, and rude, how do we want to respond back? The same way. And when we do, we just reinforce their faulty filter that that's the kind of person we are. Are you with me? Nobody wins. At times, I need to modify my behavior to help another, even when I have done nothing wrong. It's like we have to be the bigger. We have to be the more emotionally mature. But I like to think of it as we have a little greater insight into the complexity of the seven me's. And right now, the way they are responding to me, they're not seeing the real me. Because I can't imagine why they would be having so much emotion toward me now. Something else is influencing the picture, right? Everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. And as we get to know our members more, as we build relationships with them intentionally, the more you know about someone's story, the greater insight you have in knowing how to act, react, and respond to them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So, uh, there's the me I think I am, there's the me others see. How about let's go past tense? How about the me I used to be? Every one of us has the me I used to be. There's a me I used to be, I hope my wife and children never find out about. Oh, th some of you are in the same boat with me. Thank you for confessing. Um, you know what I love the most about the me I used to be? You know what I love the most? It's the me I used to be. And I'm not that guy anymore. And I'm all about grace and second chances. I took advantage of it. But you know what I hate the most about this one? You know what I hate the most about the me I used to be? I hate it when people today treat me today the way I used to be, and I'm not that person anymore. You know where this happens the most often? Might surprise you. Extended families and clubs. Seriously, people who've been around forever. That's where it happens. It, it happened to me just this past holiday season. I'm gonna set that right there, all right? Just this past holiday, I got to see my Uncle Vic and Aunt Sill, all right? Now, they're not really my uncle and my aunt. Our parents were all best friends at Florida State. They got married, they were in each other's weddings, they started having kids together, then we moved and we, we grew apart. So it's decades since I remember Uncle Vic and Aunt Sill. 
And this past holiday season, um, well, my last memory of them, I was five, and my mom and dad wanted to go on vacation without me. Apparently, David needed a sibling. <laughs> so they called Uncle Vic and Aunt Sale and asked if I could hang out with them and my cousins for a week while they made David a sibling. Now, I know you can't tell looking at me today because I am so big and strong, but y'all is a scrawny, picky-eating little white boy. And all my cousins, human garbage disposals. My parents have dropped me off. They are pulling out of Vic and Sill's driveway in our wood-paneled station wagon when my aunt puts her arm around my shoulder, waves, and shouts, Don't you worry! I'll fix him! She was determined to turn me into an eater in one week. Right? That's what you might call a strong-willed child. And after three days, I'd not put one piece of food in my mouth. And my aunt still was convinced she was killing me. So she caved. She went to the store and bought peanut butter and Cheetos. And I lived. Now, fast forward decades. This past holiday, they're driving through Florida. I mean, driving through Georgia, where I live now, on their way to Florida. They called my folks out of the blue. Hello, Bob and Jen. It's Vic and Sil. Oh, my parents were thrilled. Oh, my God. It's been years. What a surprise. What's going on? Well, we're driving through Georgia on the way to Florida for the holidays, and we don't want to pay for a hotel room. <laughs> oh, my folks were thrilled. Thank you for calling. We're right off 75. Please come. We got plenty of room. We'll call the kids. Fast forward three hours. The family reunion has been pulled together. And I'm walking into my mom's house and I can see my Aunt Syl pushing herself up off of the couch, right? And she's walking towards me. And do you know, do you know what she leads with? David, do you still only eat peanut butter and Cheetos? Oh, it flew all over me. I was so pissed. I was so pissed off. And I thought, she is talking to me like I am five years old. I am a grown man. Oh, I, I, I overreacted. I know I overreacted. Don't judge. I know. Yes, I, I overreacted. I know it's hard to believe. And, you know, I, I kept my face neutral. Don't punch her. Don't punch her. Don't punch her. Right? Kept my face neutral. And after an appropriate amount of time, I excused myself from the conversation. And I went marching into the kitchen. Oh, I was ticked. I threw up the lid of that cooler. And I dug my hand down to the bottom where I knew the mountains would be blue. <laughs> Got my breathing under control, my heart rate under control. And then I kind of chastised, chastised myself. Dude, you kind of blew a gasket back there, man. You Okay. I said, yes, I can't believe she was talking to me like I was five. It's like she, she trapped me. She trapped me in our last interaction together. And she's never let me out of that moment. Well, I know that I am a flaming, flaming extrovert. But I have some really cool introvertive characteristics buried within me. One of them is I'm quite introspective. And when things happen in my life, I tend to find myself trying to apply principles to me a lot. And as I sat there in the kitchen, I thought, you know, I know she wasn't doing it on purpose. She wasn't trying to tick me off on purpose. I know that. I know I overreacted. But it, it bugged me so much. And then I thought, well, if she did that to me without knowing it, is it possible that sometimes I do that to others without knowing it? And to my horror, do you know what, I, you know what conclusion I came to? Yeah, I do. 
And as I began to share this idea with crowds all across the country, I've begun to realize that as a species, we humans, if we're not careful, we tend to trap people in old interactions with them. Even though time has passed. Do you mind if I tell them? You don't mind? What's your name? Tina. Let me tell you about the fight me and Tina had. Not many people in the room know about it. <laughs> including Tina. <laughs> Tina and I have worked together in the same club for 10 years. 10 years! Tina and I have been in the same club. The first six were fine. Everything was fine. Fine. But four years ago, me and Tina had what folks in Kennesaw, Georgia call a fallen out. You remember it? Oh, I know you do. <laughs> Your fault, woman. It was, during a, it was during a leadership meeting. We were at the big round table in the dining room. And let's just say things got a little spirited. And then they got a little heated. And then they got a little ugly. And before anybody knew what was going on, me and Tina, we were going toe-to-toe. I mean, toe-to-toe. And it was ugly. Right? And I remember what I said to her, and what she said to me, and what I said to her, and what she said to me, and what I said to her, and what she said to me, and what I said to her. And I will never forget what she then said to me. It was mean, ugly, unprofessional, uncalled for. She crossed the line. I was furious and humiliated. And I remember exactly what I said back to her. And it was mean and ugly. And I was so glad I said it. Because she deserved it. Now, if you remember, that's where the others jumped on. Right? Do you remember you grabbed her and pulled her away from me? And remember you grabbed me and pulled me away? And I'll never forget you. Oh, y'all are over the top. That's so inappropriate. And Tina went marching out of the dining room to her office. And I went marching out of the dining room back into the pro shop. <laughs> that was four years ago. Do you know we still work together? And we've not had one real conversation in four years. And it has been like this now for so long, this layer of tension that exists in our club, because everybody kind of took sides on the leadership team, which matriculated down to their teams. And now this tension has been in our club for so long that we've completely forgotten what a great work environment feels like because we live with this unspoken layer of tension. Can I introduce you to three really nasty boogers? I try not to use technical terms like that too often. But watch out for those three. Folks, I'm serious. If you allow anger, resentment, and bitterness to worm their way into your life, listen to me carefully. They will take over your thoughts and they will take over your emotions. These three are what I call the cancers of the soul. And here's how you know if you've ever battled them. See, because here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. I could be driving down the road today. I could be driving down, help me, I don't know where I am. Ocean Reef Drive. I could be driving on Ocean Reef Drive and I'm headed to Miami. Not a lot of options were there, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard drive though, I'll be honest. Cuba. Um, I was in West Virginia like three weeks ago and I was rolling this story out. It's always a crowd participation story because I never know where I am. I just go where the lady in the phone tells me to go. And I was rolling this out. I said, I said so I could be driving out and somebody yelled Main Street, right? And I laughed because, y'all, there was one street in this town in West Virginia. It was so I'm driving out Main Street. I'm heading to somebody in the back yelled Bernie's. So I rolled out the whole story. So I'm driving on Main Street. I'm heading to Bernie's. I went through the whole story. Bernie's was that town strip club. <laughs> totally threw me under the bus. So thank you for Miami. So I'm driving down Ocean Reef Drive, and I'm heading to Miami, right? 
And, and this is when you know you're battling these guys. And this is when we do this, by the way, in our cars, by ourselves, listening to the radio. See, every one of us has a high-definition Blu-ray DVD player in our brains and a stack of memory discs. And when we're in our cars, by ourselves, we grab those discs, pop them into the DVD player in our brain, go flying back in time and relive scenes from our life with all the same feelings and emotions. And as I'm driving down Ocean Reef Drive and I'm heading to Miami, guess what disc I pull out? Tina! And just like that, I go flying back in time four years, pop out at the big round table in the dining room, and just you guess who I'm looking at. Tina. And I replay the whole fight in my mind. What I said, what she said, what she said, what I said. And when you get to the very end, when you're doing this, here's when you know you're battling these. When you get to the very end of the memory, are you content to let the memory stop? Or... Do we like to pick up the storyline and create new alternative endings that we like better? Oh, you're telling on yourselves, isn't that what we do? And driving down the road, I bust out of the arms that are restraining me, and Tina busts out of the arms that are restraining her, and in my mind, we go at it. Are you ready to rumble? And I project what Tina then said to me, and she shoves me. And I project what I say back to Tina, and I two-fisted shove her right into a wall. And I project Tina taking the club championship trophy out of the case and smashing me across, knocking me over the table. And in my mind, I go wandering down this rabbit trail so far until I can crystal clear, I can see myself holding Tina's face <laughs> under the water. And I am driving down the road. <laughs> do you know why we do this? Because in our sick little minds, we think we're getting even with that person who hurt or humiliated us. When if the truth were told, who am I really hurting? Yeah, it's like I'm driving down Ocean Reef Drive. I am drinking poison, waiting for Tina to die. <laughs> and here's what's crazy. Unbeknownst to me, Tina's in her car two miles behind me, headed to her favorite nail salon. She's got the windows down, the sunroof is open, she's listening to smooth jazz, happy as a clam. And I am two miles in front of her, thinking I'm getting even. Folks, I don't think you're going to hear this principle very often taught. But in my opinion, one of the secrets to getting through this life which, with as little baggage as possible and as much joy as possible is simply this. We must learn how to forgive you don't hear that talked about a lot in our world today. It's always about getting even. It's about justice. Y'all, we gotta learn how to forgive. Forgive. Some of you hadn't been able to enjoy a church service in two years because of that other person that goes there. And all Sunday morning, all you do is think about them. You get to church, you're so excited, you don't see their car in its normal spot. They're not in their normal spot in the sanctuary. And you think, oh, this is going to be a great day at church. And just as you're about to sit down out of the corner of your eyes, oh, you see her! Ruins the service. The whole time your pastor's preaching away, you keep cutting your eyes over at her, thinking to yourself, I hope you are listening. Because <laughs> he's talking to you, girl. Afterwards, you're not hugging on family and friends with reckless abandon. Oh, don't get me wrong. You're acting like you are. But the truth is, you got your eye on her. Where is she going and who is she talking to so you can avoid her? That's no way to go to church. 
or to work or to walk through your neighborhood or visit your health club, but I could introduce you to people who are doing it. In fact, the human brain is so amazing. You guys have already done the, the, you've already done the next game on your worksheet. See at the very bottom of the first page? You've already done the picture frame game. I haven't even mentioned it. I can tell looking at your faces you've done it. Dave, I hadn't even noticed the picture frame. Yeah, but you played the game anyway. What do you mean? Trust me. The human brain and the human heart are so amazing. If there is a relationship in your life right now that is not healthy in this area, trust me, your brain has put a face on that picture frame in the last five minutes. I'm not going to ask you a thing about it. It's none of my business, but trust me, I am reading your mail. Dave, so what do we do? We don't learn how to forgive. We don't learn how to forgive. In fact, um, I don't have time for this. We're doing it anyway. Come here, Tina. Come here. I'm, I'm going rogue. Um, <clears throat> I believe it. <laughs> I'm married to a Tina. I know all about you guys. Um, I have a lot of different versions of this program. Uh, uh, last Friday, I did the 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. version of this talk. Exact same slides, 8 to 3. You guys are getting the 90-minute version, all right? Obviously, yeah, let's hear it. Cocktails are coming. Cocktails. Keep focused, Dave. Don't go on tangents. Um, and and, and I, I tried to design this talk for the exact amount of time that I have to... to you know, honor all the work that's gone into this event. And a 90-minute version's a fine version. Obviously, I've cut stuff out. Sometimes I'll be in mid-presentation when I will get, it's a two-by-four on the side of the head. And I've been doing this for three decades, and when that happens, I've just learned to go there, figure out how to land the plane later. Uh, I feel really strongly compelled to park here longer than I had planned to. So very quickly, let's do a quick recap. Who is in charge of forgiving? You are. You can choose to forgive. You can choose not to forgive. Agreed? No one can take that away from you. I'm not going to try. But what I really feel like I'm supposed to do right now is give you a word picture, an illustration of what happens when you choose not to forgive, which is your right. You see, folks, when you choose not to forgive someone, it is as if you handcuff yourself to that person and you begin to drag that person in your life all the time. All the time. You're dragging them around. When you wake up in the morning... There's Tina. As you're driving to work, guess who's sitting in the car with you? It's Tina. You've tried parking in a different spot, entering a different door so you don't even have to walk past her office. But it never fails. Throughout the day, you hear her voice, that laugh. And it just rubs you rough. Some days you're able to get through the day pretty well. But there are other days where, let's be honest, the anger, the resentment, the bitterness, you don't want to think about it, but... But you just can't help it. You don't want to think about it, but it's just, it's just so powerful, the anger, the, the resentment, all those emotions. And then, oh, your day off comes. Monday. Oh, you live for Monday. You have a wonderful day. Don't think about work or Tina. And then Monday night at your dinner table, one of your kids innocently says something, and oh, there's Tina. She's at your dinner table on Monday night, ruining family time. You can hardly fall asleep Monday night. You wake up Tuesday morning, 3 a.m. to pee. There's Tina. Now, we're having a little bit of fun with you, but in all seriousness, do you get the illustration? Folks, when you here's what I want you to get. When you choose not to forgive... You choose to rob joy 
out of your present by dragging around hurt from your past. That's not a good trade. We need to learn how to forgive one another. Would you give my baggage a hand? Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Tina. Oh, here, Tina, I got a copy of Sticks and Stones. I'll give this to you. I will, I'll sign it for you later. Uh, I've got a merchandise table over here. It'll make it worth more on eBay tomorrow. Okay. We, we got to learn how to forgive. How, how Dave? Maybe, maybe, maybe it could look something like this. Tina, I know that there's, there's been a lot of tension between us. You know, I sense it. I, I, I know that you do too. Tina, for my part in what happened, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Didn't I make that look easy? Seriously, didn't I make that? Y'all, in my opinion, those are the six most powerful words in the English language. So, Armand, I know you've got four languages in that brain. I'm going to give you the top six words in the English language right now. All right? I want everybody to jot this down. Did I give you the blanks for it? Okay, good. Here they are. The first two words are, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next four. Will you forgive me? Folks, I'm serious. How many marriages would still be together if somebody said those words? How many clubs would have never had vicious splits, fights, and divisions if someone had simply said those words? Heck, let's be honest. How many high school cheerleaders would still be friends? (laughs) I tickled myself. What keeps us from saying those six words? Nailed it. Pride. I have nothing to apologize for. Tina's the one being a jerk. Tina's the one who should apologize to me. Oh, we say it with such, such self-righteousness. And as we say those words, we handcuff Tina back to our arm to drag her around for another day, week, month, quarter, year, decade. We learn to forgive. So there's me I think I am, the me other see, the me I used to be. How about the me I want to be? This is the best version of ourselves that there possibly could be. The me I want to be. This me represents your loftiest dreams and goals, your highest aspirations for yourself. The me I aspire to be. Do you know who this person is? You gotta spend some time getting to know this person. Man, I'm going to recommend if you can do it even tonight in your downtime after all the activities of the day, sit down and complete this sentence. The me I want to be as a fill in the role, fill in your role, general manager, executive chef, you know, club manager. The me I want to be as a fill in the role is the kind of a person who, and think of as many words as you can possibly think of, You'll get the first six or eight really quick and then you'll slow down really fast and that's when the really good ones come. You see, folks, to the, de- the principle behind that exercise is the next thing I want you to jot down. Folks, to the degree you give this me clarity, that is the degree to which you can become it. If you do not know what the best version of you would do, then how are you going to know what to do when you come to Forks in the Road? See, let me tell you right now, in club leadership, listen to me, every freaking interaction you have, face-to-face, over the phone, email, text, and social media, every interaction you have is a fork in the road. And you have to decide this fast, all day long, how am I going to act, react, and respond right now? Folks, I submit if you really get to know the me I want to be, you at your very best, and you let that me make the call in the fork, you'll always make the best choice. But some of you don't know who that me is. This me is your superpower. The me I want to be 
is you at your best, no matter what's going on around you. Who is me at my best? How would that me make a decision right now? Learn to, give, learn to get to know this me, and then learn to give this me the reins of your life. Good? All right, the next me, the first one is the me I think I am, then we got the me I really am, right? I mean, there's the me I think I am, but let's be honest, humans are the only critter on the planet that can BS itself into oblivion. There's the me I really am, right? Then, of course, nobody likes the next one. It's the me others try to make me, right? The me others try to make me. We don't like this one one bit. And those others are all over the place. My boss, my members, my board, my wife, my children, my husband. The me others are always trying to make us. And then the last me is the one we use more than any of the other me's combined. That's the me I try to project. Or the me I hope you see. Or the me I pretend to be. Like me this afternoon, I've tried to project the image of a speaker who is calm, cool, collected. Okay, Tina thought I was a failure at that, all right? Come on, what an intimidating group to present in front of. I'm as nervous as a nudist climbing through a barbed wire fence talking to a crowd like this. Y'all are intimidating. Y'all work with some of the most powerful, wealthiest people on the planet. You probably hear speakers all the time in your industry as you strive to get better and better. It's intimidating to walk into a room like this. I don't know when you're best at this me, but I live in the deep south. I do not consider Florida the deep south. I don't. I was born here in Clearwater, but I live in the deep south. And some of y'all might know this if you've transplanted here from the deep south. On Sunday morning in the deep south, this is when we are at best at this. Because there's only two places you're even allowed to be on a Sunday morning in the deep south. And one of them is prison. <laughs> What's the other? Sure. Dang right, that's how we roll. And there's just something in the air. There's something in the air on a Sunday morning. That's the morning you almost massacre your children. You're running around the house yelling and screaming, put your clothes on. Get out of that bed. Don't you make me come into your room. I mean, you're just yelling and screaming. And I don't just go to church. I go to a mega church. I teach a mega Sunday school class. There's 350 adults in my Sunday school class. And I teach every week from 9 to 10.30. We rush to the sanctuary church. It's 10.30 to 12 because we know how to do church. And then you got to fly out of there at noon because you got to beat the Methodist to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> oh, y'all got them? Y'all got them? They're pigs, aren't they? They're pigs. <laughs> I was raised Methodist. I can say that. Right? And we're always running late. Always running late, right? We're pulling out of the house at, at 8.45. i got to start teaching at 9. We live 30 freaking minutes away from our church. I am going 100 miles through my neighborhood. I'm leaning on the horn. I'm flipping people off. Get out of the way. I got to get to church. I'm trying to whack the snot out of my kids. Don't you make me stop this minivan. Go power sliding in the church parking lot. Jump open the, that minivan door. Sling it open. Get out of this van, you little mongrels. You get inside that church and you go learn about the love of Jesus. Man, I'm about to pop a vein. Two parking spaces over, a little pickup truck pulls in, a little family of three get out. They look over and they see me, right? They see me and they recognize me. I'm their Sunday school teacher. And this man says, good morning, Dave. How are you and your family? Oh, you should see me, right? Well, I'll tell you how we are. That's not what happens in the church parking lot, is it? No, I spin around and in the blink of an eye, the me I try to project goes screaming past all those other versions of me. And I spin around and I go, <gasps> praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah to you. 
how are you? Total fake hypocrite. I was just about to rip the lips off of my children in the back. And come on, you laugh at me, but let's be honest. Aren't we always on stage? Come on, in your club, you can't ha- you're not allowed to have a bad day. No. Some people used to say, fake it till you make it. I got a better version for you. Believe it till you become it. Oh, it's a little more positive, right? Well, there they are, all seven of them. You got all seven of them. Well done. Now, we'll do everything in our power to protect them. Don't mess with our me's. Don't mess with our me's. In fact, I'll prove it. You ever been walking across a parking lot? Maybe here, this week, right? Just walking, do-do-do-do-do-do, and you trip, right? Whoop! How many of you have almost busted cheese walking by yourself? Show of hands. Let me see. Okay, rest of you are liars, liars. What's the first thing you do when you trip and stumble? What are you looking for? See if somebody saw you. Now, if nobody saw you, what do you say? Phew! Phew! Don't we say, I'm okay. Phew! I'm okay. I'm okay. Now, freeze. When we say, phew, I'm okay, what are we talking about? What's okay? Yeah, no, I saw us, but we don't say, phew, no one saw me. We say, phew, I'm okay. What's okay? Close. Close. Oh, even closer. Not our image, our images. See, here's what I love about teaching this subject. Most people believe they have never thought about the seven me's that live in them. But I submit you've never not thought about them. You just didn't know their names. See, when I trip and stumble, that's not the me I think I am. It's not me I want others to see. It's not me I used to be. It's not me I want to be. It's not me I'm trying to project. All of my concepts of self, my me's, are hanging on the edge of the cliff, and I go, nobody saw. They're okay. I'm okay. They're okay. That means the opposite is true. If I trip and Tina sees me and she's laughing, oh no, I'm not okay. And folks, when our me's are threatened, as human beings, we lash out. I quickly spin around. Where's that rock? Where's that crack? Where's the wrinkle in the asphalt? Where's the wrinkle in the carpet? Where's the speck of wax? The custodian did not get off of the floor. And not seeing anything, we are so bent on protecting our me's, we'll make stuff up. As I hop up, dust off my trousers and say, stupid sidewalk people. They don't make sidewalks the way they used to. Y'all, these are called self-defense mechanisms. These are ploys that our mind resorts to in order to deceive ourselves and defend our me's. We can harm, bruise, dent, and scratch our own me's without anybody's help. As a speaker, I do it all the time. I have been standing on stages speaking. You'll notice I've stayed off of this one because of my propensity to be talking and delivering and fall off them. I was speaking in Jackson, Tennessee. There's a huge basketball hockey arena there. There's 6,000 people in the crowd. And during the break, I did not turn off my microphone when I went to the bathroom. I have done so many stupid things in my career to harm, bruise, dent, and scratch my knees. But, and this is a capital B, but, hopefully we can learn to laugh at ourselves. You know what I find really attractive? And I don't mean that sexually. You know what I find really attractive? Is people who take their job serious, but not themselves. I, I like those people. I'm drawn to those people, right? 
But when we harm bruise, didn't scratch the concepts of self, when we mess with the me's of others, y'all, we're not building bridges to koinonia where great results thrive. Rather, we build barriers of separateness. And here's why it concerns me, y'all. Everyone does this now. It starts in kindergarten. Dude, you throw like a girl. It follows us right into middle school and high school where 10 minutes after the dance, you post the photo and four comments down. So glad to see they make that dress in your size. And then we move right into our club leadership meetings. As your GM, I'm, thank you everybody so much for coming. I know this wasn't a planned meeting, but something's going on and I wanted everybody to be aware of what's going on before, you know, before it gets out or it gets on social media. I don't want to keep you long because I know you all have a bunch of things to do, but, and 30 minutes later, I'm still going. Just still going when suddenly, what's your name? When Wendy shoots her hand up in the air, I say, yes, Wendy. And as Wendy begins to ask the question, all the rest of you on the team start looking at each other with that, hello, Wendy. Look in your faces. Shut your face hole, Wendy. I got to go pick up my kid from school, Wendy. Oh, but it's just the straw that breaks the camel's back for Tina. And Tina says, loud enough for everybody to hear, careful there, Wendy, your blonde roots are showing. <laughs> and everyone laughs including Wendy. But y'all, Wendy's not laughing like everyone else. You see, Wendy's me I'm trying to project is covering for Wendy's me I really am, who just got her feelings hurt and embarrassed in front of all her peers and her boss. And when the team meeting breaks up, here's what Wendy's thinking. Good luck. Good luck with that new club-wide initiative. I just got really busy. I'm not helping out, you bunch of jerks. Now, if this was an isolated event, it would be no big deal, but it's not. Everybody's doing this now. And here's why it concerns me. In clubs, listen to me. Relationships don't explode. They do something more dangerous. They erode. And we tend to not notice erosion until when? It's too late. The damage has been done. I got to land this plane. Y'all, here's the key principle I wanted to make sure you got. Our words, folks, our words, they can crush and kill the spirit of a, wow, so many ways to end a phrase. Our words can crush and kill the spirit of a dining team. Our words can crush and kill the spirit of a pro shop team. Our words can crush and kill the spirit of a family, of a marriage, of a church, of a club, of a community. Why do we do it? Why do we allow these negative words to just come pouring out of us? Well, the shrinks will tell you it's because we spend most of our time thinking about who? Yeah, give me an M, give me an E. Give me a me, me, me. And we don't consider how our words impact everything. In fact, folks, we got to learn to control the strongest muscle in the human body. I hope you know what it is by now. It is not the quads. It is the tongue. It's the tongue. I learned about the power of the tongue as an 11-year-old. I remember my mom coming down one morning, and my mom had to make nine meals every day for the members of my family every morning, right? Dad, sitting at the head of the table, drinking a cup of coffee, read the newspaper. He finished his mug, he banged it down on the table, and he barked across the kitchen at my mom, quote, hey, fats, how about another cup of coffee over here on the double? <laughs> Even when you're 11, you know when your dad is a butt. And I watched my mom whip her head around. You could see the hurt in her eyes. Get your own cup of coffee. You got legs. Get off your butt. They started throwing sticks and stones at each other. All my siblings, we, just got, we took off for the bus stop. Who needs breakfast? Right? Three weeks later, I kid you not, same scene is unfolding. 
mom killing herself. Dad finished his mug of coffee, banged it on the table, and he barked out, Hey! And he caught himself. You see, folks, he remembered the switch. Every one of us has the switch. That's the short name for it. The long name for it is the I'm going to win you over no matter what switch. Every one of us possesses that switch. But we have to choose to throw it. I watched my dad's entire countenance change and then these words came out of his mouth. Hey, Miss America. How about another great cup of joe? Now you laugh, but I wish you could have seen my mom as she whipped her head around. Ooh! You devil, you get you a cup of coffee. Yes, I will. My mom came flying through the kitchen, landed in my father's lap. (laughs) They started hugging and kissing and tickling my siblings. We took off for the bus stop. (laughs) But for a completely different reason. Now, fast forward, fast forward 25 years. A quarter of a century later, I'm now 36. I got a wife, I got kids, I got coffee. I collect quotes. The oldest quote in my possession, experts tell me, is over 3,600 years old. I've read it a hundred times but never understood it. I collect quotes that I don't understand in hopes that maybe one day I'll be mature enough to understand them. And sitting on my back deck, I read this quote and I finally understood it. Words of life and words of death are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. hundred times I read that, shoo, right over my head. But for whatever reason, that morning, it was like a lightning bolt, y'all. I was transported back to those two scenes in my kitchen as a boy. Dissect them with me. Hey, fats, how about another cup of coffee on the double? Are those words of life or death? Clearly words of death. And what was the fruit, which I now know means, what was the impact on the culture and climate of my home? It was anger, resentment, bitterness. It was lashing out. Hey, Miss America, how about another great cup of joe? Life or death? Clearly words of life. And what was the fruit? What was the impact? It was loving, laughing, sharing. It was connection. It was, don't miss this, it was koinonia. Now y'all, everything was the same. The time of day, early morning, the setting, the kitchen, the people involved, mom, dad, and the kids. The goal, dad wanted more coffee. What was the only thing that was different? It was the power of the words. And they made all the difference. In fact, project yourself into this frog. Why, Dave? Because it's really not a frog. It's somebody just like me or you who ran into a really nasty witch. And you know she was nasty because she pulled out her wand and zap, turned you into a frog. And you've read the story. There's only one thing that can break that spell. What breaks that spell? Kiss. Anybody can kiss the frog and break the spell. But who goes hanging out around ponds, picking up frogs, kissing them? Might get the wrong end. Get warts on your lips. Come on. But you know how the story goes. She came sashaying by and she could have stepped on or stepped over, but she stopped, she stooped, and she... And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Turn it back into handsome prince. You know what this world needs? You know what our clubs need? And our marriages and our families? We need more frog kissers. We need more frog kissers. We need fewer frog giggers. You see, giggers use their words to criticize, cut, condemn, tear down, and destroy. But you frog kissers, oh, you frog kissers, you look for ways to praise, to build up, to encourage, to affirm, to edify. Y'all, there's such power in our words, right? So I'll leave you with this, right where we began our time together. Our words impact relationships. You've already wrote this down. Those relationships that we've impacted with our words impact the culture where we live and work and worship and work out. And y'all, the culture where we live and work and worship and work out 
impacts the results that we're going to get. So as we walk out of here today, you got a very simple decision. You can be a frog kisser or a frog gigger. You see, the choice is yours because now you understand the dynamic. When you open your mouth, only one of two things comes out. Either words of life or words of death. And you will eat its fruit. Now I have a surprise to help you remember to be a frog kisser. I have flown into Key Largo hundreds of frogs, hundreds of them. My son Logan is traveling with me today. He's probably already out there. The registration table has been converted into a frog table. I brought a gift, a frog for every one of you. They're the craziest, colored, craziest frogs you've ever seen. They are so weird looking. Why? Because they look just like your employees and members. <laughs> also individual, also unique. I want every one of you to take one of these frogs. It's my gift to you. I want you to put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day. And folks, listen to me. It's a powerful word picture. Every time you see that frog, I want it to remind you that every person whose life crosses yours, they're getting zapped in a really nasty world full of witches these days. And what do they all desperately need from you? A frog kiss, a word of life, a word of affirmation. It's such a great trip to make progress on purpose. And as Beth comes to the front, I'm not an idiot. I brought a bunch of books to hopefully sell you. So bring your credit cards or your cash. I will see you out there at the registration table. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great conference. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been Education Elevated on the FLCMA Podcast Network. Download other episodes on a myriad of different topics for anyone in your club or organization, regardless of their job title or description. We'll see you next time.